Kids Conversations podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Conversations Interpreting and Translating podcast. I can say today, for the first time, we are doing this in person with <laughs> Associate Professor Bianca Brijna from NARI, and um, it is so good to actually have a conversation with someone in person. It's exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. We've been doing this for the last about uh, eight months uh, via Zoom, and uh, yes, it has been definitely uh, fun doing it on Zoom. And I've been able to reach a lot of people from around Australia and uh, overseas as well. But uh, to be actually doing this in person and, as it says, conversation, mm. um, it's so good to be doing it with you as well, uh, Associate Professor Bianca. Um, so today we're going to be talking with uh, Bianca, uh, who is the Divisional Director of Social Gerontology at the National Aging Research Institute, which is NARI. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking particularly about the Mindset Study, uh, which is a study that just um, got a federal government funding. Uh, and uh, so I want to congratulate you about that first, uh, Thank Bianca. You. Thank you. And can you please mm -hmm. uh, tell me a little bit about uh, this uh, study? Uh, now, you are the chief investigator for this study. Uh, what is the Mindset Study, Bianca? So MINDSET stands for, um, it's a bit of a jumbled acronym, but, but it basically stands for Improving Interpreter-Mediated Cognitive Assessment for Dementia. It's a big mouthful. So that's, that's a mouthful indeed. It, so that's why you just thought, right, MINDSET, it's a nice acronym that, that sort of falls out of it. Uh, look, the, the crux of the study is we want to improve interpreter training for dementia assessment. And we want to improve the quality of uh, an interpreter-mediated uh, cognitive assessment for dementia. And if our training works, we want to implement this training uh, such that it can be available to every interpreter in Australia who wants it. That is uh, magnificent news. Um, now, why the focus on interpreters? Uh, now, we know that uh, maybe before that, tell us a little bit about dementia and uh, how, how it affects Australians and... Uh, uh, what is the current demography uh, at the moment with dementia? What's it heading towards? Mm -hmm. And then maybe can you give us some figures about um, uh, the percentage of uh, culturally and linguistically diverse people with dementia now and how it might change in the future? Sure. I mean, there's a reason why you're focusing on, inter focusing on interpreters, That's I right. guess. Yes. But maybe give us a little bit of background information on that. Yeah. So, look, we don't. We don't have very good data in Australia about the true prevalence of dementia uh, across the country, but we certainly know it is an uh, increasingly important issue and it's uh, the, the number one cause of death in um, women. Uh, wow. Dementia is, uh, regrettably, it's incurable and it is basically cognitive decline, so it's much more than just memory loss. It's a loss of function. It's a loss of... Um, uh, activity, capacity to do things, to, I guess, be independent, to speak. And that's really mm. important with these interpreter-mediated assessments because one of the critical symptoms of dementia is what we call aphasia or loss of language. So everybody eventually does it. You know, as you kind of progress through this, um, this disease, you do lose um, your language. But the order in which you lose your language really depends on the order in which you learn your language. Mm -hmm. So the, the general rule of thumb is last in, first out. So if English is your second or third or fourth or fifth language, 
odds are you lose that first before you will lose the language that you learned as a little child. So your kind of mother tongue, so to speak. Now, uh, there's no cure for dementia. And uh, Australia is an aging society and dementia is related to aging. So as people get older, the odds of uh, us having more dementia in our community is on the increase. And we estimate by, by 2050, we'll have about a million people in the country who will be living with it. Wow, that's, that's a, quite a big part of the population, isn't it? It is a very big part of the population. And now related to that is the fact that we also have a growing migrant population or a growing culturally and linguistically diverse population in this country. Australia has always been yes. uh, 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 welcoming to migration, Yes. Uh, whether it be, I guess, um, going all the way back to the gold rush, you had Chinese migrants coming in, and then I think World War Two. there mm. was a lot of migration, Vietnam War, mm -hmm. and then most recently, I guess, um, Middle East and also Horn of Africa mm -hmm. countries. So the demography of the migrants, the immigrants, is changing as well. Mm -hmm. um, so what kind of languages will it be focusing on? Which languages will the study be focusing on? So our, our study is going to focus on, on six languages. Uh, it's going to focus on... Greek, Italian, Vietnamese, Mandarin, Cantonese, and Arabic. Wow. Yeah. Um, but those languages, I guess, reflect um, in many ways both, um, I guess, established migrant communities that may have come post-World War II or like the Chinese, you said, might have been here since the gold rush period, but also more new arrivals uh, who might have come from places like... Um, Syria or um, the Middle East or other places where you know, they're speaking Arabic, for mm -hmm. example. And uh, one of the things that we've, we've noticed is, look, um, we've always been welcoming of migrants, but migrants are also, you know, not all migrants are the same, and people have different trajectories and journeys that, they, that they've um, embarked on. So I guess the migrants that came, you know, post-World War II were from mainly from Southern Europe, from um, Greece and Italy. Mm -hmm. But the migrants we have coming to Australia today are mainly from Asia. That's and right. as you identified from, uh, from Africa and increasingly from um, Oceania, that's, you know, Papua New Guinea and Fiji and um, those sorts of places as well. So we've got to grapple with the fact that uh, our kind of cohorts and our groups are changing and so the communities that are getting uh, assistance now may not be the communities that really need help into the future. So we've got to, we've got to deal with that. And the, the scale of migration in Australia has, has been on a steady sort of uh, increase in some ways. And by virtue of just population aging, uh, we estimate that there's going to be about a 200% increase in some of the um, kind of language needs and cultural needs in certain communities, uh, mainly from Asia by 2050. Um, so the study focuses on interpreter training. Yes. Uh, so why interpreter training? Can you give us an example of what kind of situations interpreters may have found themselves in? Why the need to focus on the interpreter? Uh, and also, can you please uh, explain to us how the study will actually roll out, how it will work and what it aims to do? Sure. So. Um we are focusing on interpreters uh, in part because interpreters themselves in our previous research have told us that they want more training on dementia and how to do a cognitive assessment for dementia. Uh, it's, 
you know, one of the things about being an interpreter, you'd know better than me, Fatih, is it's it's a really challenging role. It is right? indeed. It's yeah. a very challenging role. And, you know, you, um, especially if you're a, a community-based interpreter, you know, you could be interpreting for a, a, a legal issue or something else, and then you get a, an appointment at a hospital and you turn up and it says, well, you know, go to building so-and-so and floor so-and-so and room so-and-so, and you get, then you think, well, what's this all about? And you walk in and it's a, it's a memory clinic. Yeah. And you think, well, where am I? What happened? And you know, there's, there's the doctor, there's the patient, and you know, off you go. And you think, how am I going to, me- you know, mediate this and interpret for this session on dementia if I don't know what it is? That's right. And those and, assessments uh, at a memory clinic can hmm. be so difficult sometimes yes. to interpret. Very challenging because you're grappling not just with uh, issues around what constitutes a cognitive assessment, but you also need to know what dementia is, what some of the symptoms are. And uh, what's uh, in a cognitive assessment that the clinician is really looking to try and assess mm. in uh, the patient. And the patient themselves, you know, may or may not be cognitively fully intact. Uh, that's why they're there. It's, it's really that's about right. facilitating a diagnosis. So, you know, their speech may be disordered. They may be a little vague. They're going to probably be very um, agitated and nervous because they're in an unfamiliar setting. You know, we all feel a bit anxious when we go to a hospital, and so they're likely to feel the same. And you imagine the overlay of dementia. It, it can be quite a challenging situation for an interpreter to manage. And if you're not trained, um, it's really hard to do a very good job. And like you said, I mean, anyone else with a job that is, I guess, more mainstream, um, you'd be focusing on the same things day in, day out, okay? Yeah. And, and, and you concentrate on doing the same thing. You kind of get used to it. Uh, the challenges are different. But as an interpreter, like you mentioned earlier, you might be interpreting at a dental appointment mm. and then you go and interpret at uh, the court and then you go to a memory clinic. Mm. So, you know, the interpreter has to prepare for three, four, five different yep. uh, contexts uh, on a daily basis. Yes. Uh, and, you know, if they don't know how to do the research, if they don't have, I guess, um, uh, the resources there for training, it's going to be very difficult for them. Yep. So congratulations on you again and your team for focusing on the interpreter training, especially uh, within dementia. And like you were saying, we're dealing with, as the interpreter, you're dealing with uh, the assessment tool, uh, the doctor, the aim and purpose of that particular appointment, and then you're also dealing with a person there with dementia. So it's really important to, I guess, expect certain mm. things. Um, anticipate certain mm. things that uh, might happen with this person. Yes. You know, uh, their, their speech, mm. their cognition, um, their agitation levels, mm. right? So all of a sudden there are so many different demands and challenges yes. here for the interpreter. And, and don't forget, time is a very precious commodity in a hospital. So, um, you know, if you've designated, uh, if the consultation is designated to be an hour or half an hour or 40 minutes and you're, um, you as the interpreter are not entirely sure and you're taking a bit longer to kind of understand and interpret what's happening, um, people get impatient That's and, right. it, and it adds more stress. And if you make a mistake, uh, it can really derail that entire assessment. Um, just to give you a, a little example, um, you know, there are some of the words that are apply or terminology that applies for dementia in different languages um, can be very um, pejorative, mm. right? Um, 
for example, I come from India. I speak Hindi. So one of the languages, one of the words we have in, in Hindi for dementia that's used is pangalpan, madness. Now, can you imagine in a cognitive assessment, if by accident you were uncertain, you're under pressure, you said, oh, well, the doctors, you're just if you're mad. It's going to, you know, create a, a very big problem. It's going to be a bit challenging. <laughs> it's going to be really hard, right? <laughs> Everyone's going to get upset with you. And look, but, you know, it's not that a mistake or an error happens with, with comes from a, from a place of ill intent. It's, it's, it's because you haven't had an opportunity to train yourself um, and to upskill yourself. And That's so right. our study is really about giving people that opportunity. And, you know, to be honest with you, the interpreter does not make a lot of money. So no. getting out there and finding training and paying mm. for training is, is going to be quite difficult mm-hmm. uh, for the interpreter. And, you know, I can say that because I have worked as an interpreter and, yeah. I, and, I, and I still do. Um, so h- how are you going to train the interpreter? What, what does it entail? Mm. Uh, you, you mentioned a little bit earlier about giving training about dementia itself yes. and its symptoms. Um, uh, what else is there? Can you give us a little bit of an outline? I know, look, I've read your proposal. There's about <laughs> 70 pages there. Yeah. Um, so maybe yeah. not uh, 70 pages long worth, but yep. uh, in a nutshell, yes. can you explain to us mm-hmm. how the training will be actually mm-hmm. given to these interpreters? Yes. So the first and most important thing about this uh, grant is that the training will be co-designed with interpreters and clinicians okay, that's very important. and family carers and, if we can, people with dementia as well in the process. That, that's really important. We believe in that core design process because uh, we want to make sure it has uh, absolute relevance to the end user, in this case, the interpreter mm-hmm. um, and clinicians as well. But So the first thing is core design. The second thing is what we are focusing on in our core design is working with interpreters and, and the other stakeholders to really understand uh, from them what are the common uh, phrases that are used in a memory assessment, mm-hmm. right? What are the common, term- what's the sort of, what's the user-friendly uh, terminology we might think about using uh, to describe dimension in different languages? Um, Even coming up with new terminology, That's perhaps. right, yes. Because so, you were saying sometimes it means madness. Yeah, well, that's not going to work. That's <laughs> no, not going to work. And if yeah. there is not another word, maybe mm. you start putting something together. Yes. So, you know, as an interpreter, how can you be agile and think on your feet about a a terminology or phraseology that Mm. might be better suited and more user-friendly? So things like that. Uh, We want to train interpreters in getting them across what are good culture fair um, cognitive assessments because there's lots of cognitive assessments that are not culture fair. So we want to train them in, in the culture fair ones. So you sort of know what's coming and you know why those questions are being asked and you know how to kind of interpret for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want them to uh, obviously be across the um, the Nadi Code of Ethics for interpreting and also just how to facilitate uh, uh, sort of general communication uh, um, within, a, within a memory clinic. And uh, how are you going to actually deliver the training uh, and is it going to be national? Um, yes. Is, is, there, is there a focus pilot area. Tell us a bit about that. Right. So we, we, so we finish the core design and then what we do uh, is we, we do a trial, a randomized control trial, where interpreters will have access to the training. Um, but we'll have a group where one group will get access and one group's going to get waitlisted. Right. So they, okay. they, they're our control group. So we, we use this a lot in medical research where uh, there's, a, there's sort of an intervention in the control arm. So one lot gets it and the other lot gets it six months later. And then we're going to, it's all online. 
and we will assess their performance online as well. Uh, or rather not me or my team, it will be Nadi accredited assessors who'll do that work. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really interpreters assessing their own, um, you know, sort of a peer assessment. And um, we're confident that our, our training will work and we'll, we'll do the job that it's supposed to do. And then we're going to definitely after that, so that's national. And after that, we're going to roll up that training uh, in a big push uh, across the state of Victoria. Well, our aim is to get at least 70% of interpreters in the languages I mentioned earlier uh, wow. to do the training in Victoria. It's about 1,500 interpreters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want 70% of them to, to take it up. And um, yeah, and then after that, we get, we hand it over to, to Nadi and to the industry because at the end of the day, um, look, you know, um, I'm a researcher and I'm at Nari, but you know, if you're an interpreter and you're looking for training, you're not going to come to Nari. <laughs> You're going to go to the industry, and yeah. this has to be industry-driven. How does how does the the research completed mm. and uh, the studies mm. done, and the training is controlled and mm. checked? And now you said, okay, this is it. We want to make it available. Yep. How does the interpreter get this training? So we're going to liaise with our industry partners, and this is what this is what makes this particular grant really exciting. So uh, we have a lot of industry partners um, on this project, including Nati, including all graduates um, interpreting, including OZIT. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently we had Diz National come on board, which is fantastic. Uh, we've got Dementia Australia and we've got the Migration Council um, of Australia, the Migration Health Partnership. So it's, it's fantastic to have all of these partners and they're national and they've they're, they're tapped into the interpreter workforce and uh, they're really the, the networks and partners we will galvanize to, to push the message out. That's great. And uh, within regards to these interpreters, how are you going to recruit them? How, how are you going to find them for your study? Similarly, through our, through our partners. So uh, we've got a few criteria, but they're not hugely stringent. Um, and so we will, we will um, push the message out through our partners and through their networks to recruit interpreters. Bianca, now, uh, this is a major project and um, with all the experience that you do have and the passion that you do have, uh, I guess you're not doing this all by yourself. No. <laughs> um, so who else is in your team and uh, who are the partners in this project? So we've, we've got a, a very large team um, of researchers from um, around the country from, for example, Royal Melbourne Hospital, Melbourne University, Monash University, RMIT, the University of Sydney, the University of Newcastle, and of course, uh, researchers from NARI themselves. Big team. Big team, big team. And we've got, uh, you know, within this, we've got a lot of uh, multidisciplinary uh, expertise. So we've got a geriatrician, uh, a medical educator, an interpreter educator, interpreters, uh, people who specialize in cross-cultural um, communication and working with multicultural communities, biostatisticians, uh, so so quite a quite a mix of uh, of people. Our industry partners are um, Nati, mm-hmm. and they've been uh, both generous uh, cash and in-kind contributors. All graduates interpreting very generous cash and in-kind contributors. Uh, we've got in-kind uh, contributions from uh, Dementia Australia, the New South Wales Health Interpreter Service. Um, OZIT and uh, the Migration Council of Australia through their Migration and Health Partnership. Magnificent. So a big thank you and uh, mm. kudos to those Oh, absolutely. Well. Yes, we would not be where we are today, uh, which is, you know, just at the starting line, but we wouldn't even be at the starting line if it wasn't for these partners. Uh, magnificent. I guess uh, we've been talking about partners. Um, uh, 
You also received uh, federal government funding for this. Are we allowed to say how much uh, all up uh, the funding is? Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, look, so uh, the, the funding comes from the National Health and Medical Research Council of Australia, and they have um, something called a partnership grant scheme. So they match the funding that the industry provides. So I guess the most important thing with this study is that it's industry-led. It's industry-driven. It's meeting industry need. Uh, and so what we had to do, which, you know, um, surprisingly, it wasn't me walking the footpaths for too long because I think there's such a lot of demand, is that, you know, we, we went to the partners that we've I mentioned before and we said to them, look, we recognize this need. We'd like to do the research to help you out here if, you know, do you think, do you think this is something you could support? And um, all of the partners have come back, you know, to varying extents and said, yes, we can support this. And then the National Health, Health and Medical Research Council have matched that um, cash and in-kind contribution. So the total value of our grant, um, as it currently stands, is about $580,000. Wow. Congratulations. Thank that's you. A, that's a, quite a bit of money, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's it's a lot, and and hopefully it will be enough to get us over the line. To I was going to say, do. is it? I mean, it sounds like a lot mm. of money, but uh, is it enough to get this study through to actually reach your goals? We hope so. Okay. Look, you know, I, I, I'm a researcher. My whole life is spent... Um, uh, chasing doing, grants. Chasing grants, that's right. <laughs> so I'm never going to say the money's enough. <laughs> but in, but in this, I don't think anyone is, to be honest with that, you. Well, that's right. But uh, um, uh, look, you know, it's, it's enough to hopefully get us to where we need to go. Uh, and that's the really critical thing. How long is the study going to go for? Three years. Yeah. Three years. And when's it going to start? This year. This year? Yeah. Oh, okay, very, so, very soon. Yeah, so I'm really uh, hopeful that we can start doing our co-design process by the end of the year, get our training up and running, ready to go by early next year. Magnificent. Well, congratulations Thanks. again. Uh, looking forward to the results, and uh, I know that um, All Graduates is on board as well mm -hmm. as one of the partners, so we'll be following very, very closely yes. and uh, always happy to support. So congratulations again, and thank you so much for leading this study and good luck with it all. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay. Uh, that was Conversations Interpreting Translating podcast. Uh, today I had Associate Professor Bianca Brishnath from NARI and um, we heard about the mindset study. Um, I will also put a link to the study in the episode description so you can find out a little bit more about what it aims to do and the partnering organizations and uh, watch this space. So looking forward to the results and also the um, ultimate training as well. Thanks very much and we will see you in the next episode. As always, please do not forget to subscribe to our channels and also hit the notification button so you get notified whenever there's a new episode. Thanks very much and have a lovely day wherever you are. Graduates Conversations Podcast.